a trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. This is the place we gather to revel in wrong think. When you consider the alternative, which is marching in lockstep with groupthink, yeah, no matter how clumsy or homely I may be, this is a better alternative. And there is great need for people to be digging and finding their own information today. I make that uh, possible through resources for wrong wrong thinkers. I'm not the only source out there. But I'm desperately trying to get people to think outside the box, think for themselves, think clearly, think independently. You do not have to agree with me. That's probably the first ground rule you should understand. My goal is just simply to spark some kind of deeper thought on the issues and things that are going on around us. And there's a lot of crazy stuff that's taking place right now. I just uh, I was looking at an article. This was on uh, LewRockwell.com over the weekend, and this one just kind of blew my mind. Um, There's so much that's going on out in the open. You know, people, well, you conspiracy theorists who think this great reset's going on, and oh, you guys with your tinfoil hats and sitting there just chatting in your chat rooms and, you know, spreading misinformation. I mean, there's this this total caricature of of what the uh, conspiracy theorist looks like, and yet not a blink. Not so much as a second look when you look at, uh, what is it, our Health and Human Services Secretary, who used to be a man and now goes by Rachel Levine and dresses like an admiral and is uh, purportedly the first woman admiral or whatever. I, I don't even know. All I know is, wow, here is a very, very prominent, you know, trans activist sitting in government positions. And that's, you know, maybe that was to be expected, Right. I mean, look at the press secretary right now for the White House. You know, what are her chief qualifications? Well, she's a graduate of Harvard. No, she's a black lesbian. And that's why she was the, you know, the diversity choice. Pete Buttigieg, secretary of transportation. You know, openly gay. He's married. He and his husband have adopted. And, you know, and I'm not trying to to call down any sort of uh, questioning of these people's individual character but just look at the bigger picture and this is one that kind of got me too uh the the cross-dressing bald-headed dude i think he goes i think he still identifies as a male but who's in he's a undersecretary of of nuclear waste or something you know who i'm talking about right the bald guy with lipstick yeah but none of that disturbs me as much as uh, president brandon's new monkeypox czar which it appears this guy is a full-on Satanist. Tattoos with the inverted pentagram, tattoos mocking Jesus Christ, and this is all just perfectly acceptable. Now, what am I getting at? What's the grand conspiracy here? All I'm saying is really wicked thinking has never been more openly on display. It's never been prouder. It's never been more sure of itself and more uh, confident that it has the upper hand and will rule this world. It's kind of a scary thought, right? 
I mean, you know things are getting kind of kind of spooky. And, and, and I say this with the understanding, this is not just a political thing. This is not just, oh, you're just against diversity. I'm, I'm saying this, to me, is some of the strongest evidence yet of the incredible spiritual dynamic that underlies every single conflict that we see playing out in the world. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to drag you kicking and screaming to Sunday school. I'm just pointing out that uh, the, the battle between light and darkness has been going on forever. It is intensifying. And this is what we see playing out in front of us. It just really is curious to see how bold, openly evil ideas have become. I mean, to the point where it's like, oh yeah, and we're going to teach your kids this, and you better not say anything about it or you're a bigot. It just seems like the choices are, uh, well, they're getting clearer as time goes on. And that's something that we need to be paying attention to. Look, the, the thing is, you and I are not going to sit there and fix the whole political mess simply by voting or advocating or writing or speaking. That's not going to happen. But I'll tell you what we can do and what I'm advocating and have been for some time. This is why it's so important that you and I become the best people that we can become. I'm talking about character. We need to have the most solid character possible. Because that will improve the world wherever we happen to be standing. Nobody can change that. If you are a truly good person, and come on, we all know people who are like this. When you are in the presence of a truly good person, you don't feel ashamed. Or at least you shouldn't feel ashamed unless you're doing something really stupid. But mostly what you feel in the presence of a really good person is the inspiration that I want to be a better person. Not because they're good and I'm bad. I'm just a lowly nugget of dirt and they're, you know, a diamond. No, it's just that they inspire you to reach for those better parts of yourself. That's where the real change has to take place. And when you do that, this is, this is the curious thing. Oftentimes, as part of that process, people will make a connection with their creator. They will suddenly realize, you know what? I am capable of much more than I'm doing right now. I'm capable of being a much better person than I am right now. And when they tap into their relationship with their creator and they start to build that relationship, that's how they become truly great people. Now, this doesn't mean that suddenly their life is charmed and they never have any problems or, you know, financial difficulties or anything. No, if anything, uh, that's when the, the process of heat and pressure that will turn them into a diamond begins. My point is simply this. With God's help, you can have peace of mind and peace of heart, knowing that you have a good traveling companion, right? Uh, you, can, you can have that no matter what's going on around you, but most importantly, that partnership and that relationship will help you be a better influence on the people around you. And for those who aren't believers, I'm not trying to leave you out, but I'm specifically trying to persuade those who believe in God, if you were going to turn to him, this is the time. And I don't think you'll be disappointed with the results. So I'm watching some of the uh, headlines here lately, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching especially economically what's going on. And anyone who listens to this show isn't likely to be taken by surprise. Well, hey, what, something's going on economically? Well, I hadn't heard about that. <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> here, walk with me. Let's, let's talk about it. Actually, I have a great article here from Brandon Smith. 
And he has a very timely warning about the escalation that we are seeing in certain events that would suggest that there is mounting economic danger. Now, I, I'm thinking especially of my friend Carl, just because I know Carl Carl follows the markets very close. C-Train, I hope you're doing well today. But it's... Uh, I, I noticed this morning when I got up very, very early, the markets were already, before the, the Dow Jones uh, market even opened up, before the stock market, the New York Stock Exchange opened, the markets were already headed down. Yeah, there's some pretty crazy stuff going on. I want you to check out, let's hit a couple highlights here from Brandon Smith's article. He says, a common refrain from people who are critical of alternative economists is, well, you've been predicting crisis for so long that eventually you'll be right. Right, the old broken clock theory. Now he says, these are generally people who don't understand the nature of economic decline in that it's an avalanche that builds over time, then breaks and quickly escalates as it flows down the mountain. What they don't grasp is that they are in the middle of an economic collapse right now. They just can't see it because they become acclimated to the presence of the snow and cold. Now, he says economic decline is a process that takes many years. And while you might get an event like the market crash of 1929 or the stock market crash of 2008, these are moments of panic. And these moments of panic, rather, are nothing more than the wreckage left behind by the great wave of tumbling ice that everybody should have seen coming far in advance, but they refused. So, in 2022, Brandon Smith says the job of warning people is far easier than it used to be because we're well past the midpoint of the process of decline. But he says, believe it or not, I still get people today who claim that we analysts are just doom-mongers. The power of willful ignorance, he says, is truly amazing. It's enough to make a person blind to stagflationary crisis, supply chain disruptions, quickly inflating prices, stock market carnage, bond market instability, record consumer debt, and international conflict. Brandon Smith says, I think at this point, if a person can't see the dangers ahead, they're probably a waste of time and space and destined to be buried in the ice. In other words, there's nothing that can be done for them. Now, he says, yes, there are some people out there that don't get exposed to the information. And we have to take them into account. But he says, my priority will be people that are awake and aware to try to give them a sense of what point in the collapse process we find ourselves. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some of the events he is looking at that he finds most concerning. Again, the goal here is not to get you scared is to get you informed. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Want to give a quick shout out here to Garage Door Pros. You can actually check them out at garagedoorproservices.com. By the way, they're offering some great specials right now. Maybe you should go to their website and check it out. I don't know if you've ever broken a spring on your garage door, but let's just say when that door doesn't open and close smoothly, that's a hard day for all of us. I mean, if you've ever had to get out of the car, how primitive, and open or close your garage door, you know what I'm talking about. Talk to garagedoorproservices.com. Call them at 435-525-2773. Or go to their website, garagedoorproservices.com. This is the company for St. George Cedar City, Mesquite, Colorado City, who will install, service, and repair your garage doors, commercial or residential. 
I'm sure proud to have them as a sponsor of this program. So let's talk a little bit about some of the economic events that uh, have happened recently that suggest that the danger is building. Now, this is according to Brandon Smith, writing for alt-market.us. But I found Brandon has been a pretty, he's been a pretty credible source. I'm not telling you this guy is absolutely infallible and everything he says is going to come true. But he's very, very good at connecting the dots and does not seem to be carrying an agenda beyond just let's get the word out and let the chips fall where they may. So the first thing he points to is the European energy crisis. And he says, this is the event, this is an event rather, that I've been predicting since the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Now it's upon us. In fact, he wrote about it recently in his article titled, Europe is facing energy disaster and it's going to bleed over into the U.S. I actually shared that on my show here last week. So you can find it in my show notes. But He says, I'm not going to rehash all that information here. What I do want to do is point out the complete lack of planning on the part of European officials to deal with the threat. It's like they want a full-spectrum disaster. Russia has now completely cut off natural gas supplies to Europe, which represent around 40% of all EU energy resources. Europe's benchmark natural gas prices spiked by 28% just a week ago. That's on top of already existing inflation. Oil supplies are also in steep decline for Europe and the EU government has pledged to cut what's left of Russian oil imports by sea at the end of the year. Now, sadly, they've offered very little in way of solutions to the supply side problem. Now, this should be of interest to us because there's been talk of increasing imports of alternative resources from other nations. But did you know the EU is already buying up around 75% of all liquid natural gas from the U.S.? Mm -hmm. OPEC oil producers have indicated they will not be attempting to increase production anytime soon, probably because they can't due to the inflation and operation costs. So there is no backup energy resource for Europe. It just doesn't exist right now. This means they're going to try to buy up whatever coal, oil, and gas they can find on the market, which is going to drive up prices even more for other countries. That includes us. And yet they'll still come up short which means people are going to freeze this winter. Brandon Smith says best case scenario is that there are mostly mild temps and people scrape by with minimum heating. But EU industry is going to suffer. Many manufacturers are going to cut production, which means more stress on the global supply chain. See, this concerns me. I have, I have kids who live in Europe and I'm like, uh, this, is, this is not good. But here's another event that's, that's worth noting. Core inflation is still rising. Now, he talked about this last week in an article titled, It's a Fact That Needs Repeating, The Federal Reserve Is a Suicide Bomber. So inflation is continuing to rise despite the Fed's continued interest rate hikes, giving the central bank even more ammunition to to justify higher rates into extreme economic weakness. The latest CPI print showed an increase to 8.3%. That was a shock to markets, which universally expected a drop. But this is the nature of stagflation. Even with falling demand, prices continue to climb or remain high for extended periods. The stagflation event of the 70s lasted for a decade until the Fed jacked rates to 21%, then unemployment, then employment rather, crumbled in the early 1980s. Now he says that doesn't mean that rates will go to 21% this time. In fact, they don't need to. All it would take is a federal funds rate of around 4 to 5% 
to crash our current quantitative easing addicted system. A 75 BPS rate hike is now widely expected at the next Fed meeting this month, with some predicting a 100 BPS hike. Now, that would put us really close to crash territory for markets and employment. Although he says, I think we have well into into 2023 before unemployment really starts to spike. Then there's the meeting that uh, Vladimir Putin will be having with uh, China's Xi Jinping. And the nature of their conference isn't clear. Brandon Smith says there are the obvious points of agreement like China's continued purchase of Russian oil and other commodities, as well as the ongoing plan to build a pipeline to China by 2025. And there's always also rather strategic cooperation, which is evident in the recent naval exercises between the two nations around Japan and Taiwan. Now, the big concern that uh, Brandon Smith has, and I think a lot of other people share this too, is that the timing of this meeting is concerning because the prime season for a potential Chinese invasion of Taiwan is fast approaching. Apparently, October is the best month for naval movements if you want to avoid typhoons. So China wouldn't necessarily need to commit to a ground invasion either. They could just put in place a blockade and cut off all import-export trade from any source other than China and essentially starve Taiwan until they accept unification. Then there's also the issue of Ukraine and arms sales. With the amount of propaganda coming from Ukrainian intelligence and NATO, it's hard to say what's happening. But he says, I suspect Russia is changing strategies and repositioning to deploy uh, missile and artillery bombardment of infrastructure. That means they're going to go after power grids and water. That's a tactic Russia has avoided for months until earlier this last week which is surprising because it's usually one of the first measures taken by the U.S., for instance, during an invasion to eliminate most key infrastructure. This is exactly what we did in Iraq. Now, you would think Russia would have done the same, but perhaps they were saving that uh, scenario for winter when it's harder for Ukraine to cope. Essentially, by taking out their utilities. This would make Ukraine essentially unlivable in the coming winter for most of the population. In fact, Putin may be seeking to ensure China remains a steady economic partner should geopolitical pressures increase. They might even be making a deal of mutual support. So China takes Taiwan while Russia makes Ukraine a resource wasteland and they support each other economically when NATO countries try to impose sanctions on China. So we probably won't know till October, but the timing of the meeting, Brandon says, should raise some eyebrows. If the manure is about to hit the fan in Taiwan, along with Ukraine, then he says diplomatic and economic ties will be severed and Western access to China's manufacturing will be cut. Now, that's a problem for China's economy, certainly, which may be why they've continued their mass COVID lockdowns well after every other government has abandoned them. And this is kind of a chilling question, but I think it's a good one to ask. Could this be practice for civil controls in an impending war environment? It's a good question. China's global dominance in imports and exports gives them considerable economic leverage in trade. Many nations would not support sanctions against them. Also, their vast holdings of U.S. dollars and treasuries could be used as a weapon to destroy or damage the dollar's world reserve status. If China invades Taiwan this year, well, then all bets are off. He says the economic decline will move swiftly from that point on. Now, of course, the question that always arises is what can we do about it? And the answer is not much in terms of prevention. Now, what we can do is prepare locally 
to weather the storm. And what that means is stocking necessities before they rise either further in price or uh, become non-existent. Become a producer, learn a valuable skill for survival in a depleted economy. And he suggests organize with people locally who are on the same page to create security and to create alternative trade opportunities. Brandon Smith says, hopefully the aware citizenry will rise to the challenge and organization will be extensive because the worst case scenario would be great masses of completely isolated people all vying against each other rather than working toward mutual security. Even in a slow collapse, that's a problem in terms of rising crime. So work with others if you want to avoid inevitable third world conditions. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. I want to give a quick shout out here to lifesavingfood.com. You realize, of course, this is September, which is Preparedness Month. And in observance of Preparedness Month, lifesavingfood.com is offering 30% savings. You can click on the link that I provide in my show notes. Check out the specials that they're running. 30% savings? That's a pretty, pretty good deal. That'll save you some money in the long run, as well as give you some peace of mind in the short term by making sure you have the things that you and your family need. Well, the move towards digital currency is really picking up speed. Brad Palumbo has a great article about why a digital dollar is a really bad idea. He says the widespread embrace of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies has left many government bureaucrats feeling left out. In a bid to get in on the action, Many governments have floated the idea of a central bank digital currency, CBDC, a.k.a. a government-issued cryptocurrency using blockchain technology. Now, President Biden directed the federal government to explore this idea, and new reporting suggests the Biden administration may soon press forward with efforts to create a so-called digital dollar. Coindesk reports the U.S. Treasury Department will advise the federal government to press forward on work to issue a digital dollar, though it should only take the final step if there's that sign-off that the government-created tokens are in the, quote, national interest. And Coindesk says that question of national interest will depend on further approval of the Biden administration and potentially action by Congress. So Brad Palumbo says at first glance, Government getting in on the crypto craze might sound fun, novel, or harmless, but he says actually it's cause for serious alarm. A central bank digital currency would have none of the benefits of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, and it would have some serious drawbacks. For instance, any digital currency that uses blockchain technology could technically be called a cryptocurrency. But as Bitcoin influencer and content creator Laya Heilpern has Heilpern rather has aptly explained, Bitcoin has unique properties that make it valuable. One of them is it is both permissionless, meaning anyone can use it and can use it how they want, and it's decentralized, meaning there's no central authority that can control the currency. Now he says that last part is especially important. Because no one can increase the supply of Bitcoin beyond its predetermined beyond its predetermined mining schedule. No one can arbitrarily erode its value like the U.S. government has done with the dollar through money printing. However, a central bank digital currency 
would be neither permissionless nor decentralized. So most of the benefits of uh, cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin, wouldn't be on the table. And of course, the downsides are borderline dystopian. Brad Palumbo says if a, if a digital dollar was just kind of useless, that wouldn't be the end of the world. But he says it's much worse than that. While a central bank digital currency would offer none of the benefits of Bitcoin, it would offer governments new, unprecedented ways to control citizens. So to call the idea rife for abuse, that's an extreme understatement. After all, a central bank digital currency would allow the government to track your every purchase, and it would also easily be used to restrict purchases. So, for example, imagine a future government deciding that gasoline must be rationed in order to access climate, in order to address rather climate climate change. So your digital dollars could be made to stop working at the gas pump once you've purchased a certain amount of gasoline in a week. In this way, a central bank digital currency would open up new avenues for the government to assert control over our everyday lives. It would make our wealth and incomes less truly our own. And if that sounds fantastical or extreme or otherwise far-fetched, take a look at China, because that's what's happening there right now. So Brad Palumbo says, here's the takeaway. When the Biden administration publishes its report and advocates for the creation of a digital dollar, the public shouldn't treat the idea merely with intrigue or disinterest. We need to speak out and oppose this idea, or, he says, we may well live to regret it. I think that's actually a really good point. I'm very leery about this. I, my wife is leery about crypto. She's just like, I don't know, you know, you can't put your hands on it. How could it be legit? Well, I think the there are things that I see that make me wonder if crypto wouldn't be a good thing to have, at least in part. I'm not going to tell everybody, put it all into crypto right now. But the main reason that crypto is a desirable thing and the main reason why the powers that be don't want you and me to have it is because they can't get their hands on it. See, to me, that's a pretty strong selling point. Not enough to put all my money into, but enough to put some into. Just to know that, nah, nah, <laughs> here's something you can't touch. All right, shifting gears. Let's talk about another point of concern. Use of food as a weapon of control is nothing new. I mean, for centuries, for millennia, governments or armies have starved people out to get them to do what they want them to do. Shane Radliff has written an excellent article pointing out that food can also be the ultimate weapon of mind control. He says a lot of people are familiar with uh, MK Ultra, and if you're not, this is one you really should study. It's a well-known program highlighting the government's research into using drugs and other forms of torture or abuse as a means of controlling and exploiting the human mind. The late Milton William Cooper talked about the open-air mind control laboratory already long in place in the 1990s, consisting of a seemingly large apparatus across various industries, including technology, entertainment, pharmaceutical, and political, just to name a few. And while a lot of these areas are ingrained daily into the lives of most and undoubtedly carry with them their own consequences, listen to this. He says, nothing is more pervasive and worthy of threat modeling than what gains direct access into our body on many, many occasions throughout the day, and that is the food we eat and the drinks that we drink. He says, believe it or not, this spiritual war really begins in the gut. 
And our biome, our microbiome, is the first line of defense. It determines the physical nutrition we will assimilate, the balance of microorganisms found therein, and in regards to mind control, our gut bi- microbiome has a literal impact on what happens to serotonin, dopamine, and other important hormones related to happiness, energy, and reproduction. So yes, again, the aforementioned industries are all worthy of our attention, but in this realm of free will, despite what Babylon's minions may tell you, we are in control of our health and what takes place in, within our body. And it starts with what we put in our mouths. So step aside, MK Ultra. Your mind-bombed patsies are essentially the whole population now. Food is the ultimate weapon of mind control. And from here, he goes into a chronically poisoned, nutrient-depleted food supply, the gut microbiome hijacking of hormones and a cascade of imbalance, also the demonization of cholesterol and saturated fat, and promotion of rancid omega-6 seed oils, There's a lot of detail here. Sugar, stress, and stimulants. By the way, that one kind of hits me. Sugar, stress, and stimulants. I Man, I know I shouldn't drink energy drinks. And yet there's days where I'm like, boy, I'm just really dragging. Where is that monster? You know, and and there goes the pop top. I know. Got to get it under control. He also comes to this conclusion. And he actually shares his own daily regimen and recommendations. He says, look, I'm going to make it simple. If you're overweight or if you're chemically poisoning yourself, it is most certainly affecting the way that you're thinking and the way that you're feeling. So the two most important pieces of advice that he can offer are, number one, stop chronically poisoning yourself. And number two, fix whatever nutritional deficiencies you have. He says, if most people did these two things alone, the majority of health problems would disappear. As a shorthand determinant for step one, rather than becoming severely overwhelmed investigating the topic, ask yourself if this is something you would have access to without big industry. And furthermore, if your ancestors would have eaten it or had access to it. As for number two, he recommends that the most common deficiencies we need to address are deficiencies in magnesium, vitamin D3, vitamin K2, Mark 4, vitamin C, zinc, and copper if you're on the standard American diet, cholesterol and animal fat, and B vitamins. But he offers some really interesting solutions and ways to get these things. Again, this is Shane Radliff writing for agoristnexus.com. He says, in conclusion, as self-liberators, in most every area of our lives, we strive for the most radical forms of freedom and independence, and we need to be doing the same for our health and well-being. Ooh, I felt that kick in the seat of my pants right there. While the majority of the servile society is rapidly aging and degenerating, we can adopt the ways of our ancestors and of nature and outlive the coercers. I don't know, but that has a nice ring to it. I'm going to outlive the coercers. But first, I got some work to do. Maybe you do as well. Starting with paying a little closer attention to what I'm eating. Putting fewer poisons into my body. Moving around more. Building endurance. Yep, that's a pretty big list. But I'll go ahead and get on it. This is The Brian Hyde Show. 
This is The Brian Hyde Show. And just like that, we are back. A quick shout out and thank you to HSLAmmo.com. I do appreciate Spencer Worthington and all the hard work that he has done in building this ammunition company from the ground up. By the way, he, he is doing well. He is keeping people supplied with the, the means to build their skillet arms, to go out and have fun on the range, and also as a great store of value for people who understand that lead, copper, and brass are precious metals in and of themselves. If you want to check it out, you can go to hslammo.com. All right, well, we know the world is already a complicated, conflicting place, and, and because of that, we don't need more Karens. I don't have to explain what a Karen is, right? One of those people who's just always a busybody has to impose their will on somebody else. That's Karen. Well, Lenore Skenazy has this remarkable story of a Karen who called the police on a little girl for selling cookies. Now, this was just up the road from me in Meridian, Idaho. But this story actually has a fairly happy ending. Lenore Skenazy writes, a Meridian, Idaho resident recently called the police department to demand a cop hurry over and apprehend an illegal solicitor, someone who knocked on her door to peddle without a permit. As reported by Deputy David Gomez, a school resource officer in Idaho City, on his lively Facebook page, the caller told the cops she was sure the peddler did not have a solicitor's license. And as it turns out, she was right. The peddler was a little girl about eight years old, selling homemade cookies. So the officer arriving on the scene, a newbie, managed to track down the entrepreneurial menace. As he later explained to Deputy Gomez, this wasn't too hard. The girl hadn't gotten too far from the complainant's home, and she was particularly easy to find because she was with her mom and baby sister, who was in a stroller. Now, the said stroller contained the crumbly contraband in question. In fact, the suspect actually approached the officer and said, Mr. Policeman, I'm selling home-baked cookies so that I can afford piano lessons. Would you like to buy some? She added that her older sister was a really good pianist and she wanted to take lessons to be just like her. But her mom thought she should have a little skin in the game by helping to pay for the lessons. Hence, the pastry peddling. Now, at that point, Gomez writes, our new officer did what any reasonably seasoned police officer would do in that situation. He bought all the rest of her cookies. Now, the officer even went so far as to call the complainant back to explain this little girl had not been breaking any laws. As she was what is technically known as a child who was not actually running a business, she was not required to have a solicitor's license. And yet Gomez added, rather, you would probably be surprised how many times kids selling items for school fundraisers get called in as illegal solicitors. And Lenore Skenazy says, well, or maybe, dear reader, you wouldn't be surprised at all. After all, we're living in a country where some folks call 911 when they see a child walking home from the park or playing outside or even doing homework on her front lawn. In that South Carolina case, by the way, a passerby thought the girl was abandoned, even though her dad was inside working. They called the cops because she was doing her homework outside. Anyway, upon returning to the station, the Idaho officer gave out free cookies to all other department personnel and did not save them as criminal evidence for any subsequent investigation all of which serves to uh, remind us that cops plus common sense plus kids is how you create community and put the kibosh on Karens. The cookies just make it all that much sweeter. I thought that was a really fun story, (laughs) and I love the fact that the officer did the right thing. 
bought all the cookies, took them back, and shared them with his colleagues. Good stuff. All right, one final thought here. Save the very best for last. There seem to be a lot of unhappy faces in every direction that I turn these days. And I get it. The stress is real. I feel it too. And if I could be so bold, I'll tell you. There there are times I feel like, man, I feel like I'm hanging on for dear life just for my sanity. I know I can't be alone in this. And there's a lot of unhappiness out there. Well, Annie Holmquist writing for intellectualtakeout.org has a great piece on forgetting self and finding happiness. She says, a while back, I started an experiment of smiling brightly at perfect strangers while out and about doing my daily routine. Knowing that times are difficult, my intention was to bring a little joy into random people's lives while also causing them to wonder where my joy came from. Now, she says, admittedly, I don't always practice this habit for my personal problems and the cares of the world can get me down, making it hard to try to lift others up with a friendly smile. But... She says, I'm inspired to go at this practice with more vigor after seeing a chart from Gallup on the rise of unhappiness. And it is an interesting chart. The Negative Experience Index, a composite measure of the five negative experiences, anger, stress, sadness, physical pain, and worry. And apparently they have reached a new global high. Now Annie points out, as you can see on the chart, and I'll have a link to this in my show notes, the unhappiness begins to rise around 2012, particularly gaining speed in the last several years. And she says, in thinking about this rise and its possible causes, I began to see a way we could start that unhappiness index on a downward trend. So what exactly happened in 2011 and 2012, or between those two years? Well, one important thing was the release of the iPhone 4S. Now, sure, iPhones had been around for a few years, but the iPhone 4S was the iteration that greatly expanded the megapixels on the camera and made video much more possible. Combined with the forward-facing camera introduced the year before, the selfie culture was born. Maybe the fixation on self was palpable in society, for it was right around this time that David McCullough Jr. gave his rather famous commencement speech, You Are Not Special, at Wellesley High School in Massachusetts. McCullough encouraged students not to expect everyone in life to cater to them, but to work hard and live fulfilled lives, avoiding self-indulgence. The American founders worked hard to ensure that future generations could pursue life, liberty, and happiness, he said. So we shouldn't squander such a gift by sitting and watching videos on YouTube. Instead of self, McCullough urged the students to seek wisdom. Wisdom is the chief element of happiness, he said, quoting Sophocles. So if we're to reverse the rising swing of unhappiness, seems the best way to do it is by infusing the culture with wisdom. But where do we get that wisdom? Well, a proverb of Solomon, presented in one of his famous chapters on wisdom, suddenly echoed in Annie Holmquist's head, providing the answer. Quote, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. So if wisdom is the main component of happiness, and if wisdom is found by following and understanding God, then could the rapid rise in unhappiness be related to our rejection of God? I know there's some going, hey, that's not fair, but no, I think that's a very fair question. And he says, such a thought led me to once again track down Pew Research's chart of religious nuns, or those Americans who don't identify with any religion. 
In 2007, that number was around 16%, but it rapidly rose to 29% by 2021. Judging from the chart below, she says a lot of that increase came from around the year 2012. My gosh, it sure looks like that. Nonsense, I can hear many people exclaim. Religion and following God has nothing to do with happiness. Now, Annie says, look, these kind of protests have likely been around for years, a fact evidenced by author Alexis de Tocqueville's mid-1800s work, Democracy in America. After discussing the great importance religion had in America, he wrote, such are the opinions of the Americans, and if any hold that religious spirit, which I admire is the very thing most amiss in America, that, and that the only element wanting to the freedom and happiness of the human race is to believe in some blind cosmogony. I can only reply that those who hold this language have never been in America and they've never seen a religious or a free nation. End quote. So the free nation, Tocqueville maintained, was free for the very reason of its Christian or religious nature. Annie Holmquist says, in fact, Tocqueville believed that Americans would say it was in their best interest to ensure that new states founded during America's westward expansion must be religious in order to maintain our liberties. And it's those same liberties that inform and aid our happiness, also including the freedom of religion. She concludes by pointing out, look, many Americans are miserable. Others will likely grow unhappy in the coming years. And that's tragic, especially since there's something we can all do about it. Namely, stop looking to ourselves and start looking toward God. Annie Holmquist writes, only through him will we find the wisdom that leads to true happiness. Now, I know that's, uh, that's going to be a religious note to some that they, they may find uncomfortable. If you're a person who's kind of put religion in the back seat, you know, I, I'm not trying to drag you into the church against your will. But I am asking you to consider if maybe there is another source for relief besides running to government. Hey, can you fix this for me since you screwed it up? (laughs) Which is what we would say if we were truthfully asking government that. What if there was another source you could turn to? A source that left you at peace and personally empowered. That's a big what if, but it's a question worth asking. This is The Brian Hyde Show.